Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Schultz. It is Super Bowl week and our Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl against the stupid Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> so we, we need to understand the team that we're going to be huge fans of since the AFC Championship game. Joining me to talk about it is Anthony Casenza. Anthony, your Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I, I have to imagine that uh, this week's feeling pretty good. It's feeling pretty good. It's been a whirlwind. We were talking before we took the air here. You and I were that this is this is very uncharted territory for me personally. Um, you know, playoffs is one thing, but advancing through and all the way to the Super Bowl and covering the Bengals in the Super Bowl is definitely uncharted waters for me. But it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun. I can imagine. And Anthony is the host of the Cincy Jungle podcast, part of the SB Nation Network. And yeah, man, I just have to imagine that. I mean, how did we even get to this point? The the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Is this something that was even on the table in your mind when the season started? If you want me to be honest with you, not for this year. I thought the Bengals were headed in a very, very good direction this year. And I know there was a lot of chatter back in April. Why didn't they get the offensive tackle? Why'd they go with Jamar Chase? I think we all saw how that worked out. And I know there are still offensive line questions. I'm yes, not, but how many since, you know, how, how many Bengals fans were gripping at the end of preseason when Jamar was dropping ooh, passes that was in preseason? And you're that going, was a rough time. That was a rough time. Yeah, that that was a rough time. I won't lie to you about that one. But I, you know, I, I think when I when I looked back at kind of my preseason predictions and all that kind of stuff, I saw this team capping out at, at as a sneaky wild card in. I thought that was their ceiling this year. Otherwise, maybe being a 500-ish team, yeah. right? I, I just I felt like they would maybe start a little slow, and then as this young team developed, got some chemistry, they would go on a nice run at the end of the year and maybe make a respectable season out of it. But they just kept finding ways to win and finding ways to beat quality teams, whether it's in close contests, last-minute comebacks, last-minute field goals, overtime wins, all of that. They just kept finding ways to to do it. And I, I think that's a testament to their coach. I think that's a testament definitely to who their quarterback is. And they just grew up a lot faster than I think a lot of people anticipated. I, I saw this maybe being a possibility, maybe 22, probably 23 in terms of a deep playoff run. I, th I thought it was going to be a couple of years, but it's been fun. They're They're fun to watch. And I think with the quarterback, Joe Burrow, with him being injured last year, I, I don't think that you know, a lot of NFL fans really got a sense of the type of quarterback he was. So, I mean, did you know going into this year that you had the franchise guy and he could be this guy to really lead you through the playoffs? Again, one of those things where, yeah, you felt like it, but you still felt like it was going to be a year or so from now because of the recovery from that injury. You thought he would still be productive not franchise record setting productive coming off of the knee injury, right? I mean, he set the single season record with touchdown passes for the Cincinnati Bengals, passing yards, and no, he didn't set them in the extra game. He sat out that extra game. So the same 16-game schedule, he set those records. So, you know, I mean, I, I just, I felt like, again, he was going to be, he was going to show a lot of signs. This team was going to show a lot of signs to tee things up nicely for 22, 23. And instead, it's just Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. And the, the Joe Burrow that we saw on that, Epic 
LSU national championship run, that college playoff run where he was just dealing dimes left and right. The same thing has kind of happened here. And even when he hasn't played his best ball, he's come up with timely plays and the rest of the team, the defense and others have come up with some nice plays as well. So um, just a lot of heart in this team. And I think it starts with, with number nine. You just pointed toward coaching a bit before and I I really do see that being a big difference in this game because, gosh, I watch Sean McVay and I feel like he has played afraid in terms of being aggressive. Whereas I look at the Bengals and I see it, it seems a, the total opposite to me. So it's it's weird with him coming from the McVay tree. It's very odd to me, but I, I do think that maybe the Bengals have the advantage when it comes to that aspect of this game. You are one of the only people I have talked to in the past couple of weeks that has pointed out this type of thing. And I don't know if I I don't know if I want to call it McVeigh playing scared or coaching scared or anything like that. But there are a lot of advantages for the Rams in this game playing in their home stadium. Some people believe they have the better roster, more seasoned quarterback, whatever, all that stuff. Here's the thing, though, there if you look at the slate of how the playoffs have played out. This and some of the more important games uh, late in the regular season that the Bengals played in, how games have gone for each team, it kind of plays into the Bengals' wheelhouse a little bit. And what I mean by that is the Rams have been the team that have gone gotten up to leads. Go back to week 18 against the Niners with the Rams, right? right? Got that big lead going into halftime, let it evaporate, lost the game, right? Go to the Tampa Bay game, got all the way up. Almost Gave lost it away. It was yeah. a 20, yeah, 28 point lead or something like that to right. Brady. Um, let that evaporate. And then you go to last week, they kind of let the, you know, the Niners got up on them, let them kind of hang around and all, all kinds of different things back and forth. And finally they, they took care of business. The Bengals have either led in games and kept the lead. You can look to the Raiders game or they've come back in dramatic fashion and beat teams, whether that's the Titans in Tennessee, the chiefs twice in a month, uh, come back from big deficits and, and done it. So a lot of people are saying Rams, 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 but the way that some of these important late season games have played out and postseason games have played out, actually, if you look at how these teams have won, it plays a little bit more into the Bengals wheelhouse, in my opinion, right now. Uh, what's kind of been the biggest strength that you think of this Bengals team throughout the season? Well, I mean, kind of depends on what specifically you're asking about. If you're asking about like on field production type of things. I mean, I think the defensive line, they went from last in the NFL in 2020 in quarterback sacks to almost a top 10 team in that category. And they've played well in the postseason as well, creating turnovers, frustrating Patrick Mahomes and and other quarterbacks in three interceptions off Tannehill, et cetera. So, I mean, they've, they've done their job on defense. The defensive line has been good. The wide receivers have been excellent. Uh, Chase T Higgins has been excellent. Uh, Boyd has had some timely catches. So, I mean, uh, all of that is, uh, you know, the quarterback play has been phenomenal for the most part. I mean, a couple of dry spells in the postseason, but still, like I said earlier, enough plays being made by Joe Burrow at timely moments to get the, you know, key first downs and whatnot. Uh, In terms of just in general, as, as a team, I think their biggest strength kind of goes back to what I was just talking about with those comebacks in that, for a young team, they aren't really afraid of very much. They aren't afraid of, of facing big deficits. They aren't afraid of going into Tennessee, the one seed, 
and getting pushed around, getting sacked nine times. They aren't afraid to send a rookie kicker out for a 50 plus yard big time. K. I mean, they're just, they're, they're just ice in their veins type of thing, mentally tough. And that has been a 180 from so many different Bengals teams in the past. The Bengals teams under Marvin Lewis, whether it's Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, and those cast of characters, they've had a lot of talent, but the mental toughness, the ability to overcome that here-we-go-again type of stigma or their inability to do so really doomed them. This team doesn't buy into any of that, and I think that plays into bringing in a Joe Burrow, a lot of other guys that have been on national champion teams, T. Higgins, Jonah Williams, at important spots, and they're just saying, I mean, yeah, it's a big game, but we've played a lot of big games at young ages already. How about the biggest weakness? What's your biggest concern now with the Bengals going into this game against the Rams? Pretty easy and obvious answer, the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, fortunately and unfortunately, they drafted two players in the second round and in the fourth round in this year's draft that are offensive line help. Um, and I think they project to be decent players down the road, Jackson Carmen and Deontay Smith. They're both project players. They're both young for, for them being drafted. I, I think Carmen just turned 21, you know, around the draft time and whatnot. So I, I think patience is kind of a virtue with those two, but I think they will pay off down the road, but they're not really, you know, right guard. Carmen's been in and out of there along with another recent draft pick, Akeem Adeniji. They can't really seem to find an answer there. They had an answer at right tackle throughout much of the regular season and veteran Riley Reef. He had a foot injury. He has done for the year. So they brought in another young player to relieve him and Isaiah Prince. He's had some good moments and he's had some, some not great moments, but um, you know, so that right side of the line is a bit unsettled. They, the, Inability of the interior of the line throughout much of the year to pick up twists and stunts and different things like that from opposing defenses has been an issue. Sometimes inability to recognize a free blitzer, that's that's been an issue. So really protection and and not taking a bunch of sacks or or a bunch of pressures is my biggest worry in this in this game because of Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and and Von Miller, etc. But the Bengals, as I mentioned. We're able to weather nine sacks against Tennessee, get a win. And against the Chiefs last week, not a lot of people are talking about this. Some people keep talking about the nine sacks. One sack last week against Chris Jones and a, lot, a very talented a Chiefs. A ton of pressure, though, too, that Burrow yeah. was escaping. Yeah, he did. And and I think that is something that comes with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow escapes pressure and makes plays out of, out of structure. But he also at times can run into some sacks. And I think if you look back at that Tennessee game, probably two or three of those nine were on Joe Burrow himself, just kind of running into sacks, not making great decisions. Um, others were poor protection, blitzers, et cetera, but uh, still still way too many, regardless. Still way too many. So did but, you notice any difference then from the, the week against Tennessee to against the Chiefs? Anything that they did differently on the offensive line? Was there better protection or were there just fewer sacks? A little bit of both. I don't. I don't want to say it was excellent from a protection standpoint, but uh, you know, it's definitely improved. I think uh, you know, Hakeem Adeniji got got the nod in that game, a right guard. Then they brought in Carmen. Carmen had some nice drives for him, so that was kind of one of the things they did. They also got the uh, the run game going a bit more uh, than than against Tennessee uh, with Mixon, and that really paid off late. Um, they started, you know, Mixon started really gashing them late. And sometimes, and this is kind of what they did a lot, it didn't it didn't yield a lot of statistical production, I guess. But to negate Max Crosby, 
in the in the wild card round against against the Raiders, they did a lot of runs right at him, uh, runs to his side, and and just kind of to slow him down and take him out of the mix a little bit. And I think you kind of saw a little bit of that. Bengals just kind of running a bit more and having a little more success than in previous weeks with it. So just a combination of factors, still not perfect by any means, but they got, they got some improvement last week and a lot better than what we saw against Tennessee. Yeah. I feel like Mixon is going to be a big part of the Bengals for them to have success because I think of those games that the, you know, the Rams had have, well, historically have had a hard time with the Niners and they had a hard time with them again. I mean, they had a 10 point deficit going into the fourth quarter mm-hmm. in that championship game. I, I didn't think that the 49ers were going to give it up, honestly. And they did, but I think it's because they struggle with that defense against the run and, and, you know, Shanahan, he'll, he's not afraid to just keep pounding the ball. So do you see that as a potential strategy for the Bengals in this game to, to really feature Mixon heavily against the Rams? I do, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't say that by saying they're going to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands, Jamar Chase's hands or anything like that. I think I think there's again, there's going to be a little bit of the method to the madness wherein there's going to be some early down runs and they may yield some frustrating results. One yard gain, minus one yard loss, whatever. Um, and we've seen that through this postseason. But sometimes, like you saw a little bit against the Raiders and definitely against the Chiefs late, you, you start wearing things down a little bit. You wear defense down a little bit and you keep you keep at it and you don't just bail on the run game. And late in the game, creases start appearing that weren't there early in the game, right? So I think I think Mixon will be a key this week. I think they need to utilize him. They do need to be able, though, and this is where this game will be, will, a big portion of this game will be won for the Bengals. They need to figure out a way to get out of some of those bad early down run yardage plays They need to be able to get, you know, if it's one yard, zero yards, a loss of yards, they need to make those a three-yard gain, a five-yard gain. So then all of a sudden, you know, let's say you throw an incomplete pass on first down, you run it on second down, you get five yards, then you're looking at a third and five, not a third and nine, right? right? So it's just, it's it's things like that where they need to be a little bit better there. And I think if they can get some earlier down success in the run game, that'll go a long way for the Bengals to potentially win this one. Definitely. If we see the Bengals getting into multiple third and longs in this game, then the advantage flips to the Rams, especially with that defensive line. And based on what you said earlier about the offensive line being a weakness, I I don't think we can talk enough about how much of a concern that is going into this game. At Cooper Cup and the Rams receiving core, also a concern, yes. But you know what? Let's talk about it coming up next. The Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl this Sunday. My rooting interest is clearly aligned with my guest, Anthony Cazenza of the Orange and Black Insider. When you said in the first segment that the offensive line is the weakness of this team, it set off alarm bells because of Aaron Donald and Von Miller. But I also have to think that this is the matchup that the Bengals coaches are spending the most time with, right? Yeah, I mean that's 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 the you know the key matchup obviously. And covering for... Cooper Cup. Now, don't put Trey Flowers on Cooper Cup. That that would be <laughs> that would be my one suggestion. If that's not going to happen, but <laughs> I will say this: I know Trey Flowers probably isn't the most popular guy in Seattle, but I will say this: 
he has come in and, and filled a nice little niche role for the Bengals. Um, he has come in and they've asked him because he's a huge guy. And we know Pete Carroll loves those long, tall, strong defensive backs. He's come in and the Bengals have matched him up often against, you know, some slot guys and namely tight ends. And he has had some effectiveness in that, in that role. So not being exposed as much on the boundary maybe has done Trey Flowers some good and and he's come in and, and played well for the Bengals defense. But you're right, that that the trench matchup offensive line versus Rams defensive line, that's that's gonna be huge. And what the Bengals do to negate that, Mixon's gonna be part of it. Probably quick hitting passes is gonna be, you know, get the ball out quick kind of stuff, maybe yards after the catch, particularly with Jamar Chase. That's gonna be huge. And you know, I, I, everybody's going to be looking at Chase, but T. Higgins is going to be, I think, a big factor in this game as well. Tyler Boyd, too. But T. Higgins, I think, using his size across the middle, moving chains, I think that's going to be a big key to this game, too. Do you think Ramsey follows Chase? N- I, mm, that's a good question. Uh, I The Bengals will try and do different things. So early in the season when Chase was especially explosive in those first handful of games, he was basically boundary guy only. You know, why, you know, deep, deep guy and playing on the outside specifically. Uh, Then he got into a little bit of a a quieter patch in the middle of of the season. And what the Bengals did nicely out of the bye is they moved chase. They they would move chase. They made him a movable piece. They did some things where he was coming out of the backfield. He was doing a lot of stuff out of the slot and doing things on the outside. So you couldn't guard him with one guy. You couldn't bracket him with coverage as easily that, that sort of thing. So I expect the Bengals to do more of the same. He'll be working out of the slot, I think, somewhat often. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ramsey will follow him a lot, I think. I don't know that if Chase gets lined up in the slot, I don't know what the Rams will do in that that scenario. But uh, they're going to try and exploit a mismatch, however that may come with Chase. And, uh, you know, there's not really much of a mismatch against Ramsey. But you probably don't want to do a lot of one-on-one coverage with Chase, regardless if it's Jalen Ramsey or whoever else. He's Anthony Casenza of Cincy Jungle. You can find him on the Orange and Black Insider podcast. Before you go, prediction. I got some time. We're good. All right. How do you how do you see this game going? Oh boy, head or heart pick, right? Um, I, you know, a lot of things tell me that this is this is a a game that the the Rams should win, will win, all that kind of stuff. But there are just things about this Bengals team that gives you pause to just go, oh, Rams are going to win, and it just the way that they've won games and, and the the teams that they have beaten. This isn't, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, this isn't a great Bengals team in the Super Bowl. Well, they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice in a month. I mean, yeah. uh, what, what, do you, what do you want there? I mean, the Chiefs were the, the AFC juggernaut. Uh, they, they swept the Pittsburgh Steelers who made the, the postseason. They swept the Baltimore Ravens and the, those scores and all four of those games were absolutely lopsided. So I feel like there's just something kind of about this team and as weird as it sounds in crisis in crunch time and i may eat crow on this in a, in a week but i almost am beginning to trust joe burrow a little bit more in crisis than a matthew stafford and that's not a knock on matthew stafford it's more of a compliment to joe burrow because of his maturity and what you know just who he is matt stafford i know has been one of the best quarterbacks in his career in fourth quarter comebacks, overtime comebacks and all, you know, leads, all that kind of stuff. Um, So that's nothing to sneeze at, but I just, I see something really special in Joe Burrow. And if this game isn't close, I I see Joe Burrow battling him back at least to make it competitive. If it, if it is close, I could see Joe Burrow coming, doing some magic and and getting them the win. So I, I actually do have the Bengals winning this barely, 
um, maybe by a point or two points, much like they've won every other postseason game here. I think it's going to be a great game. And I, I don't know, there's just something different about this team and how they got here. See, I haven't visualized the Rams winning at all. That's that's been my <laughs> my strength over these You're past couple weeks. You're putting that into, the, yeah. into the atmosphere, right? Just just trying not to picture it at all, in in hopes yeah. that it, it won't happen because it can't. There you go. It can't. I'm counting on the Bengals. I just I don't feel like I know a whole lot about the Bengals' defense and how they. I, there's there's weapons that you have to worry about with the Rams. They, I feel like they've been getting the running game going pretty well. How, how have the Bengals been at stopping the run? And I mean, how concerned are you about the combination of Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham? There, there are concerns to be sure. Uh, Cup is uh, kind of a do-it-all guy. I mean, OBJ kind of is too. I mean, he's he's a guy that does a lot of different things. But uh, quietly, Chidobi Awuzie, one of the one of the starting corners for the Bengals, has had a, a very solid season for them. Uh, Von Bell and Jesse Bates have played very well this postseason, especially the, the, the two safeties. Eli Apple, a guy who couldn't find a home anywhere, has all of a sudden been making all kinds of different plays this last half of the season and has really found a home here. He's starting over Trey Waynes, a, a big free agency acquisition that the team made a, a couple off seasons ago. So, I mean, there there are a lot of kind of not not household names i guess on this defense but guys that just get it done and trey hendrickson sam hubbard they were well over 20 sacks combined this year trey hendrickson set the franchise record for sacks in a single season for the Bengals this year so and and the big guys in the interior dj reader larry Ogunjobi, who's now unfortunately he was lost in that raiders game with a with a foot injury uh bj hill others have just come combined to play really sound football and there's not a lot of household names like i said but just guys that do a lot of things pretty well, right? I mean, not not a bunch of pro bowlers and stars like you see on the Rams defenses, but a unit that works well together. And like I said, there's just guys that do a lot of different things pretty well. Well, and I got to say the thing that really impressed me too was in that Chiefs game when it goes into overtime and the Chiefs win the coin toss. I think everybody's thinking back to the week before against Buffalo and they're thinking, oh, well, Mahomes won the toss. They're just going to run it down the field and score a touchdown. This game is going to be over and we're going to be complaining about the overtime rules for another week. But the Bengals came out and that defense, what they did in overtime to frustrate Mahomes. Well, and it wasn't just overtime. It was the entire second half of that game. They made Mahomes look like just a dude. That was yeah. the thing that I think was the most eye-opening for me was that Bengals defense and how they perform that second half and into overtime. I I just I had no idea. Well, that that's the one thing that I pointed out on our show about Lou Anarumo, and you know I just I just got taken to school by a former Bengals wide receiver on our show about halftime adjustments and how that's not as big of a thing as as fans like to think it is, but. I, I do feel, though, in the, in this situation against the Chiefs specifically, that there were some significant halftime adjustments being made against the, the Chiefs and what looks the Bengals were giving them on defense. You know, they were try they were rushing four in the first half and just not getting success, and and so you know they they ended up rushing three and dropping eight in coverage, and it just I, I the way I phrased it is Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator use the explosiveness and the aggressiveness of the Chiefs offense, their players, their coaches 
against them and turned it into impatience and impulsiveness. And, and so then there were bad throws being made. Guys weren't getting open as easily, especially on those crossers across the middle and good coverage created sack opportunities and, and lost yardage op- opportunities. So uh, that's kind of what I, what I saw out of that game and, and what the Bengals defense was able to do. Well, Anthony, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, helping break down this Super Bowl matchup. If people want to catch more of this, where do they go to tune in? Uh, well, cincyjungle.com is the the website where we've got news, opinions, analysis, all kinds of articles. And then our, our podcasts are on there. The one that I specifically host on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel is called the Orange and Black Insider. There's a couple of others. Uh, Orange is the New Black and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk by, by another host there. So we do a couple of different shows, a lot of different articles, all kinds of different things. And we are trying to hammer out the content. I, I actually have a bit of media access for the for the Super Bowl. So I've been kind of in on some of the virtual press conferences and whatnot this week and and doing some different things with that, which has been kind of cool. So um, we're just trying to bring a lot of different coverage this week and hopefully in less than a week, we can, we can celebrate a big W. We will be celebrating with you, Anthony, because yes, we, we don't want the Rams to win and it's been, <laughs> gosh, uh, well, I mean, it, yeah, you, you don't have a championship. So yeah, we want to no. see that happen. I, I would say it's been too long, but <laughs> that's been, what I was about never. to say. I was never. about to so, say yeah. it's been too long. And then I, then I caught myself thinking <laughs> it's never happened. So yes, right. It's, right. It has, it's taken too long. Yes. Yes. Thanks once again to Anthony for coming on the show. And yes, if you want to live the Bengals fan experience, head on over to the Cincy jungle, check out the orange and black insider podcast. Those guys have to be having a great time here coming up toward this game. So If you want to live in Seahawks world, though, head on over to fieldgoals.com. Lots to talk about there as well. Just things that aren't quite as exciting. So uh, Ed Donatel, his time with the Seahawks doesn't sound like it's going to last long. He is close to being the Vikings defensive coordinator now. So he'll be heading over that way, most likely. In player news, John P. Gilbert has an update on Quandre Diggs and his recovery. He's also got an article on the Phil Haynes dilemma. I'm not sure what dilemma there is there, but I will check that out. The one I know I'm going to check out, though, just browsing at the field goals page, former field goals editor John Morgan has an article up about Shane Waldron's pistol. And so that that's a must click on article for me. And I know we're going to be having some Super Bowl predictions coming up here soon. So check that out. Fieldgoals.com. Be sure you're subscribed to this show sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. You can check out this show. If you want to hop on over to any of the other shows on SB Nation, you can find them there. sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. I'll be back throughout the offseason. Stay tuned. And until next time, go Hawks. Hawks.